this week on Medical Minefield. I do have great empathy for patients who've gone abroad because they're desperate for help. And the NHS provision of bariatric surgery is woefully less than the demand that's there. And private treatment in the UK is expensive. So people are feeling they're forced almost to go abroad to get this surgery they're so desperate for. Mm. But, But the risks they're taking in doing that are just not worth it. You get one crack at this kind of surgery. And if it goes wrong, it goes seriously wrong. Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman, and I'm a health journalist, which means I spend my life asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, I'm joined on the line by health reporter Joe McFarlane, and we are discussing whether or not people are completely mad to go to Turkey for plastic surgery. As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question for us or a suggestion, tweet us at MedMinefield. Do you say tweet anymore, Joe, or do you say X us? Is it still a tweet? I mean, how has Elon worked around this issue? I don't know. I mean, I completely ignore it, quite frankly. I still call it Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, but are we showing our age? Middle age? Probably. I don't think the kids are on Twitter anymore, isn't it? One really? in the Middle Ages. Maybe they're coming back well, they're... in an ironic way because it's so naff. <laughs> One <laughs> thing that the kids maybe, are like the doing en masse is uh, they're going to Turkey for plastic surgery, they are. which is a disaster in many cases. Let's get the caveat out of the way. There are some good surgeons in Turkey, and we're not saying Absolutely. that every surgeon in every clinic in Turkey is dreadful and filled with charlatans who are going to saw your bits off and not reattach them in the right place. However, (laughs) it does seem to be the exception. And most people will know social media is absolutely rammed with horror stories about people who have gone to Turkey and come back with horrible results and worse. I I remember Mm. seeing a story not too long ago in which two women went off for a tummy tuck and uh, one of them died and the other one was found in the hotel room by her daughter who'd who'd gone out to try and rescue them, uh, Mm. unconscious and writhing in, in, you know, agony and and all sorts. So some people are very unsympathetic to plastic surgery disasters, Joe, and I don't know how you Mm. feel about it. I personally feel terribly sorry for people. I've been writing about these things for two decades now. I remember Mm. so many years ago, uh, the, the first story I wrote about was a woman who was lured by cheap plastic surgery to have a breast reduction. She had terrible bad back. And she had a breast reduction in Harley Street, uh, one of these fly-by-night clinics. They uh, reduced her breast size, but then gave her no aftercare and no follow-up and and basically Mm. gangrene set into the wounds. And, you know, ultimately she she lost her breast. She went back to the clinic many times and said to the nurses who were left to be responsible for all the aftercare, should it look like that? And they, of course, being not trained in any kind of differential diagnosis, said, oh, I'm sure it'll settle down, love. Of course, Mm. it didn't. And and, uh, first of all, her nipples dropped off and then she had to have a double mastectomy. You know, uh, she she spoke to me and she was so embarrassed. Uh, She she 
beat herself up about it constantly, even though the fact that, what well, you know, it wasn't necessarily a completely cosmetic operation. She had, you know, double G breasts and, you know, clothes didn't ever fit her and she was constantly, mm. you know, hunched over because of the size of her chest. She said she just wanted to, to wear a, a T-shirt and go running without it having mm. to be a, you know, military operation involving, you know, structures to support her chest. But, of course, she has no breasts yeah. now. No, bless her. Fast forward two decades, and I would say the situation is way worse, way worse, because people are going online, they're seeing these clinics, hard sell advertising, which has slightly been clamped down on, I think, in the UK, or certainly, you know, there is a greater awareness of, uh, you know, the dangers of going to your beautician for a, you know, full tummy tuck body lift you know it's not the kind of thing you want your hairdresser to be doing with their you know thinning scissors (laughs) although some people may go and do that and you know what did they think was going to happen but these turkey clinics they they have very i mean the the advertising is incredibly slick the the online you know the websites are very very well put together it Mm. all looks very professional they promise high class surgeries. you've been looking into this this week and and some of the things that you've been uh, uh telling me about have made my toes curl I mean, it's really gruesome, some of it. And I don't think you can speak to any cosmetic surgeon working in the UK today who hasn't seen the aftermath of these kinds of botched operations. I mean, it's so prolific. It's everywhere. I think we know that about 150,000 Brits went to Turkey last year for some kind of um, cosmetic procedure. And those numbers are growing. I think Brits now form the biggest proportion of foreigners going to Turkey for... uh, yeah. These cosmetic kind of operations. And, and why why Turkey? It's cheap, and actually, their their advertising has been so aggressive. I mean, it's access more than anything else. Mm. If you're seeing these adverts online, I mean, go onto any social media platform these days, whether it's like TikTok or Facebook or X, as we were talking before, you will see adverts for Turkish clinics offering operations at really low prices. I mean, we're talking significantly lower than you would get in the UK. In in some cases, 15% of what it might cost you over here. But it's not just that they're offering. They're offering the five-star hotel, the VIP transfers, you know, tickets to tourist sites. They're they're selling the kind of dream. Go out there for a holiday, lie on Mm. the beach for a bit at some Mediterranean resort. And, you know, while you're there, you know, get your boobs sorted or do your teeth or have a tummy tuck at the same time. And, and it's Turkey very, season. you know, it's, it's sort of the celebrity, the celebrity dream, the reality TV dream, isn't it? There are famous names that go out there, or you know, fa- famous in in the UK people in some circles, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you get these, you know, Katie Price Jordan seems to yeah. regularly be going out there, and uh, a few of these other uh, Lauren Goodger from Towie, I, I, I recall, has, mm, has mm. Um, had a head transplant and. Uh, um, <laughs> a mega bottom stuck on. Um, <laughs> this is another subject, isn't it? Entirely, there's something very dysmorphic yeah. about it all. Like, you know, these very pretty girls oh, awful, yeah. being so- somehow lured into the idea that they're going to improve yeah, themselves. I by... Think, I think it's a huge problem because a lot of the surgeons I spoke to this week were saying, you know, and, and, and lots of them wouldn't go on record um, on this point specifically. But these are people that they wouldn't have treated in the UK. So I don't know whether these patients are being turned away by British surgeons because what they're asking for, you know, is is not kind of 
changing some disfigurement that has they felt they've held held them back over their lives. Yeah. You know, it's, it's things like you know like the fox eye treatment, which you know a, uses a thread yeah. to pull your eyes up, and that's just weird. It is. <laughs> it well, it's so. It's sort of extreme body modification, isn't it? And, and you know, it I is, remember yeah. years ago, you know, you'd see these people stretching their earlobes into these huge, you know, it was it was kind of oh, a, yeah, a sort of emo earring. kind of thing. But having a fox eye facelift, I mean, it's right stuck on the front of your face, isn't it? And uh, yeah. you know, I mean, these things, it's, it's a bit like inflating your lips to to kind of doll like proportions, isn't it? Yeah, and what I find really weird about all of this is that this is the stuff that people now. Find attractive and are looking for in the opposite sex i mean i but is this is my guilty pleasure barney so don't blame me for right. this but i do watch some dating programs okay. and on them and almost without exception recently the girls have said they're looking for blokes with turkey teeth and i find that completely astonishing and there was if you i don't know if you're watching the latest series of mad at first sight uk but there is a guy on there who dumped his wife that he'd been originally matched with because his type is another woman on the show who happens to be their uh, transgender contestant and she has enormous fake boobs, all the fake lips, clearly a lot of surgery around her face but that is his type that is what he wants to go for mm. and that seems to be increasingly important to particularly a lot of people is it a well, fetish? the Instagram generation I suppose we'd say it's very weird, I don't understand it it, it, looks, it just looks really fake to me but that is mm. the look that a lot of people go for now Crikey. And that, that makes me feel really old. <laughs> We're talking about this because plastic surgeon Alistair Brown is is writing in this weekend's The Mail on this subject. And, and one of the things that was news to me was that people are going out to Turkey to have weight loss surgery. Like, I mean, we're talking one of the more serious ends of, of operations in which they cut a, a large amount of your stomach out, mm. sew it back yep. together inside you, so you only have they a sort, st- of, sort of tube. It. Staple it, <laughs> yeah. And people are going to Turkey because it's it's so cheap to have the operation there. Yeah. And there's one mm. woman that's in um, Alistair's piece. Um, she's been reported on before, uh, Louise Bradley, who paid that's just right. two grand for this op, which would probably cost about ten or you know fifteen here. She, she's now being tube fed for life because it went disastrously that's wrong. Right. I know, but I mean, I think the, the crucial thing in her case, and this is so true for loads of people going out to Turkey for these operations, these gastric sleeve operations is that they've been on an NHS waiting list for a long time. I mean, Louise had been on one for four years waiting for this operation and was desperate. And I think, you know, when you talked earlier about feeling sympathy for people that go out there, it's these people in particular I feel a lot of sympathy for Mm. because they've got to the point where they've waited for years. They they, they want to lose a lot of weight. They're desperate to get there. And all other methods have failed. Um, and they see a cheap trip advertised to Turkey where they can get it done for you know, a fraction of the cost in the UK. But what they don't realise is that the standard and quality of, of the procedures that they're providing mm. over there is just so much lower than um, they use in the UK. One surgeon yeah. was telling me that in, in particular, one of the complications that can happen is that the staples, which staple the stomach back together, can leak. Now, we know from the data supplied to a national registry in the UK um, shows that the procedures carried out in the UK are safe and that those complications don't happen, although that's one of the big worries. In Turkey, <laughs> that is happening all the time. And a doctor that we're going to be talking to, Professor David Kerrigan, who deals with these cases all the time, says almost every trust in the country performing bariatric surgery is seeing a steady flow of these patients coming back specifically from Turkey 
with these leaking staples. Now, this is, we're talking about leaking stomach acid into the tummy cavity, which can cause peritonitis, which is a serious infection, but that in itself can lead to sepsis, which we know is fatal. So we're talking about very seriously ill people coming back and they're being just chucked back on the plane the day after surgery because the hospitals in Turkey don't want to put you in their critical care unit. They can't afford to do that. They're just bunging you back on the plane telling you to go to the NHS and some people are rocking up at Heathrow with drains still left inside them, IV drips still attached. You know, one surgeon, Alistair Brown, told me this week that he's heard of patients literally standing in the airports with blood and fat dripping down their legs and that is horrible but that is actually oh. happening well it's uh it's quite appropriate we're recording this uh, shortly before halloween because these are truly horror stories well let's let's hear I mean, from they are. <laughs> well we've got uh, professor david carrigan on on the line now uh, professor carrigan thank you very much for finding some time to talk to us today about what you're seeing coming back from turkey in the in the way of bariatric surgery it seems to me like a lot of these operations are quite serious. So it surprises me that people are shopping around, going for rock bottom prices, going for such a you know serious operation abroad. And then, of course, it, you're seeing it going wrong. What kind of complications are you seeing? I mean, it's interesting that the, there is a perception about these being quite dangerous operations. But the truth is, actually, they're really safe. I mean, if you look at the safety of you know, a gastric bypass or sleeve in the UK at the moment, it's actually safer than having a, you know, a hip replacement or your knee done. It's even safer than having your gallbladder taken out. So they can be done in an incredibly safe way when it's done you know, by well-trained, well-regulated teams. The problem with these kind of surgeries is, is that they can be extremely dangerous mm. you know, uh, when things go wrong. And that is the concern, I think. You know, the bariatric surgery in the UK is really well regulated, like, you know, CQC regulated premises, well trained surgeons. Uh, you know, when patients, you know, go for health tourism, I think they are taking a gamble. I think you're absolutely right because they just don't know, you know, what the regulatory mechanism or the training of the people that they're going to entrust their lives with is. And, and unfortunately, I would say most, if not all, bariatric surgeons in the UK over the last year or so have seen an ever-increasing flow of patients coming back from surgery abroad, particularly Turkey, I would have to say, with significant complications. We just Mm. don't see that often at home. What kind of complications are we seeing? The big ones that we always worry about, the main thing is a leak from the staple line or the join up in the bowel. When you're sealing off or removing parts of the stomach or rerouting them as part of the surgery, we use these surgical stapling devices. They sound pretty you know, barbaric, they're not. They're, they're very precise instruments. We, you know, these are supplied by reputable manufacturers and they're very high-quality tools and they work really well. If, if they don't seal the stomach together adequately, the, 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 the join-up or the, or the staple line on the stomach can break down and you'll end up with a hole appearing in the stomach very early on, usually within a couple of days of surgery. And then... Anytime you eat and drink, that's going to leak out through that hole into your tummy cavity and will give you peritonitis. Peritonitis, we know, obviously, is a big cause of sepsis, and sepsis can kill you or at least put you on ITU. And this is a, a complication in the UK that is very rare. It happens even in the best of hands, but it is rare. But we are seeing lots of patients coming back from surgery abroad who are have had a leak when they've been there. They've been sent back, discharged from critical care and put on a plane and sent back to the UK, uh, you know, with drains in and all sorts of things. You know, really quite quite alarming. And then just been told to go to the local A&E when they get back to get themselves sorted out. 
Wow. The other problem we see sometimes is patients who wear the sleeve operation itself. That's the most popular operation done abroad is the sleeve operation. This involves narrowing the stomach down to a sort of more narrow banana-shaped stomach by removing part of the stomach in order to do that. And, and if you make that sleeve too narrow and remove too much of the stomach, the patient's not going to be able to swallow properly. And these pet poor patients should be able to eat and drink pretty normally but just feel full with less food. But instead, they're vomiting constantly because the sleeve is just too tight and too narrow. Mm-hmm. And that could be quite a tricky problem to sort out. And that is probably the commonest thing we're seeing coming back from surgery abroad as well. And I've had two patients referred to me in the last week with exactly that problem. Goodness. I mean, I've read about one case in which a, a woman has uh, says she can only be tube fed now. I mean, is this reversible? Are you able to fix these <clears throat> patients? Yes, uh, I think, in, in, it, but it's a tricky operation and revision or redo surgery, you know, demands a high level of skill, a high level of expertise and it can be done. And I think if you know of people who are in that position, I would urge them to get in touch with, you know, a specialist unit, a high volume unit in the UK, mm. you know, like our own, because we can do something about it. You don't have to be like that. But, you know, but, it's just such a shame that patients had to put up with that in the first place. And, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that, that the NHS is, is picking up the, the tab in, in these cases. Absolutely. I mean, the NHS is there to support people in trouble, uh, you know, as well as for elective surgery. To my knowledge, almost every NHS unit in the UK will take on patients who have run into significant complications and problems after surgery abroad. Mm. What they won't do in many cases is actually fund the routine follow-up after surgery because this is the other problem. We can focus on the the dramatic complications that need sorting out, but actually one of the big worries about people going abroad for surgery is they they have no idea that they're not going to get any follow-up when they come back. And actually to get the most out of the operation, your best chance of using this shot to give you the weight loss you're looking for, it has to come hand in hand with a kind of wraparound program of supportive care with dietitians, the surgeons, psychologists. And this is what we do routinely in the UK. But these patients come back from abroad with absolutely zero follow-up arrange. Mm. They're told to go to their GP, who's not an expert, and they're not blaming the GP here. Uh, the GP is not trained in this, not an expert. They don't know what to do. And so patients end up just drifting off on their own with no follow-up at all. And then if they do develop predictable problems, maybe they get some vitamin deficiencies or things like that down the line, instead of it being picked up at a very early mild stage where it's really easy to sort out, it's left till it becomes a big problem and then it becomes much more difficult to sort out. I do have great you know, empathy for patients who've gone abroad, don't get me wrong here, because they're desperate for help. And you know, the NHS provision of bariatric surgery is woefully less than the demand that's there. And, and private treatment in the UK is expensive. So people are, you know, are feeling they're forced almost to go abroad to get this surgery they're so desperate for. But, mm. but the risks they're taking in doing that are just not worth it. You know, it'd be better waiting you know, on the NHS than rushing forward and going abroad. Really, you, it, you get one crack at this kind of surgery. And if it goes wrong, it goes seriously wrong. Wow. Well, I uh, hope you give uh, some people pause for thoughts. Professor David Carrigan, thank you very much for finding some time to talk to us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Well, I would just say don't do it, ladies and gents. Don't. <laughs> Don't go to Turkey for major surgery on your digestive system. It just sounds awful, doesn't it? I think one of the things that um, Professor Kerrigan said to me was that he was talking about the staples. 
there and how we use really high grade ones. Um, and now he doesn't know this for sure, but what he's he's really saying is that some of the um, clinics in Turkey are probably using far lower grade because they're quite expensive. You need to use about seven cartridges of staples for a patient and each cartridge costs about £130. Mm. So that's a really obvious way that clinics abroad can make savings. You can get... Um, yeah, oh no, cut price staples. So they're, oh. they're not quite as high grade, which means they're more likely to kind of come apart and, and you know, and then you're more likely to leak. And I mean, or or yes, as you say, use use fewer, but um, mainly it's the quality that they're worried about. Just use, uh, you know, I mean, uh, some staples from Ryman. Well, I mean, I've got a staple on my desk. <laughs> one <laughs> way not of losing weight. Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> I'll do it was... for you, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Later. Um, uh, <laughs> it was interesting what he was talking about uh, follow-up s- support. I, I've interviewed many a uh, mm. bariatric surgery patient, and one of the main reasons bariatric surgery isn't a success is because people find workarounds. So yeah. they find some things go down easier than others. So even if you have the, you know, a, a stomach that's, you know, 90% reduced in size or whatever it is, that you can still manage soft ice cream and masses of mm. it because it all slips down. Yeah. Blend a hot dog. Yes, blend a hot dog. I I don't think it's, is it vain? Is it vanity? Are these people vain? Don't we all just want to look our best? I suppose so. And I know, to be honest, I know some people who've like had treatment to grow more hair. It is something that they have been upset about in the past. And I can see like for lots of these people that it is something that they fixate on and they think that getting it sorted is going to solve that problem. Mm. But, you know, they're paying for something cheaply and it's not making the difference that they'd hoped. Oh, yeah. You're, so we're talking now about the horror of, of turkey teeth. That's one the big story, isn't it, that's come out of, of this whole uh, cosmetic operations in turkey, turkey thing. It's a, it's a catchy name, but it's something that I learned this week was that, so the weird thing about these dentures that people get, you know, so we've all seen those <laughs> horrific pictures of, you know, Katie Bryce Jordan f- having her teeth filed down to tiny peg little pegs. And then, yeah. and then they stick plastic teeth on, on top of that. But in order to cut costs in Turkey, what they'll stick on is just one giant tooth, basically. <laughs> yeah, they're like strips of teeth with no gaps in between them. That it's bonkers. And to fit those on, because obviously, you know, most people's teeth are not in perfect alignment, are they? You know, they're they might be some might be slightly further back, some might be slightly further forward. So they have to shave more of the tooth off in order to fit these sort of tooth implants effectively on the top so that they all fit. But that in itself causes problems because you shave down close to the nerve, you can yeah. kill the tooth. And it looks awful, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, see, because <laughs> I'd seen those and I thought that... So so it used to be that when you got these kind of very extreme veneer jobs done, that, that they fitted your teeth with a kind of plastic retainer thing while they were fashioning, mm. while they were they're building the you know, the, the false teeth. And this, this would be a clip-on thing that you would then take out and you'd have your individual, you know, handcrafted teeth put back in. Um, mm. But it seems that they've decided to give these people permanently and, and people like it. You know, the thing that I'm amazed when you go on TikTok and you've got people again and again posting, you know, that this is what they wanted. They wanted mm. one giant Barbie tooth look. <laughs> Absolutely bizarre, and I can't pretend I understand it, nor do I find it attractive. 
Mm. It just it, it strips people of any character. I think that's the odd thing. And well, it does give a them a character, them, I but I don't know. It's the, well, the character yeah. that we Maybe. all we all uh, would recognise as something big. <laughs> yes, the cartoon character. <laughs> um, I mean, they look too big for their mouths as well. That's the thing that yeah. I notice. I don't know if you think they just look huge. Yeah, yeah, but and also the health complications, which I was interested in. That 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 you know you, they won't give you a dental checkup. That they don't know much about about dental complications no. and, and you heard of a case this week in which uh, someone who had such severe infections in their gum they needed root canal surgery and just had some plastic teeth stuck on top by a turkish dental yeah thing. so this this is a pre-existing um tooth that needed root canal work and that he knew about but had gone out to turkey got these sort of strip teeth um stuck on but they the turkish dentist hadn't bothered looking at the health of his teeth before they put them on. So <laughs> ultimately, as soon as you stick them on, you, you're going to have to take them off again in order to treat that tooth. Mm. So don't expect to go out to Turkey and have you know some kind of holistic mouth health check before you get these things stuck on. They will just be stuck on, unfortunately, in some cases, I suppose. And, you know, I mean, we hear regularly from people who say that they can't get an appointment with a private or NHS dentist these days. It's, you know, dental deserts out there. So, you know, I mean, I think people are going to be in a really difficult situation if they they have complications, uh, depending on where they live Mm. in the country and how much money they have, I suppose. Very much so. I mean, I had this issue uh, not that long ago, which I, and I wrote about it in our newspaper, um, of not being able to get either an NHS or private dentist to deal with uh, what was an emergency at the time. I, I don't know how people are going to deal with this because inevitably they're, they're coming back with these stick-on teeth. There's hardly any of their natural tooth left. In the case that we were just talking about, this young guy, 19 years old, who had perfectly good teeth in the first place, apart from this one that did a root canal, you know, when his dentist actually looked inside his mouth under the teeth, three of the teeth were dying off because of the amount of work that had been done to shave them down. And two others were on their way there, let alone the one tooth that needed a root canal. So this is going to be faced, this is a problem that will be faced by a lot of people going out there, I imagine. They'll, They'll to potentially lose their original teeth completely. They might have to have implants with dentures. But there's going to be a generation of 40-year-olds with removable <laughs> removable yeah. teeth. You know, they're going to have their teeth popping out all the time and have to keep them in a, a glass by the bed. A jar. A jar by I know the my, bed. My, my old 101-year-old neighbour um, has that particular problem. Yeah. Her dentures were falling out when she spoke. But this, this is going to be, we're going to be talking about people in their 30s with this problem. Yeah, because, because the dentist I spoke to, I did say to him, have you actually had to fit dentures to any young people yet? And he said, no, not yet. He said, but that was more luck than anything else. And he said that he thought that that was an inevitability, that people would come back and would need dentures. Because That's every time fine. you have bits of your teeth shaved down, you have to sh- and then remove it. You have to shave a bit more mm. off to kind of prep the tooth, yeah. and and then eventually there's just there's nothing left. So, no, oy no. Vey. Yep. And well, it's not just the teeth; it's the, it's the the jaw and the muscles around the jaw as well. We have problems with that, mm. um, and problems with speech. Um, you know, pronouncing certain letters like S's and S and these mm. get affected by putting these teeth in your mouth. So couple coming back, not being with, able to sleep, with rotting teeth, <laughs> aching jaw. Couple <laughs> that with a trout pout and you're, you're, you'll spin an absolute treat. 
You can read all about this subject in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and more, which you can consume in newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or on The Mail app. We will be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week, so we'll see you then. Say goodbye, Joe. Goodbye. I nearly said goodbye, George.